Well, good morning, church. Uh, maybe, maybe the mask's on the way. Let's try that again. Good morning, church. All right, that's, that's decent, that's decent. Hey, well, let me say you guys look amazing. You look beautiful in your masks. Uh, and if you're at home, we are a little bit jealous of you guys at home. So enjoy that cup of coffee on our behalf. Uh, my name is Daniel Savannah Stallion, as everyone calls me. I uh, work with our student ministry here, and it is such a privilege to be sharing God's word with you guys, to be kicking off this new series. Now, before you think anything, I would just say this. I've heard this all morning since 7 a.m. when I got here. Yes, I am matching with the graphic behind me, <laughs> okay? It was not intentional, I promise. I made the decision before I saw what the graphic was gonna be, but it just happened in God's providence. Um, but no, we are excited about this new series that we're starting. We're gonna be looking at a group of specific psalms that were called the Psalms of Ascent. Um, they were used in a special time for the people of Israel, and, and we we're gonna talk about that. But some people think that these psalms specifically, now the psalms we would say are a collection um, that some of the, the people of Israel would sometimes sing um, so some of them are actually musical that they recited at big events or ceremonies. Um, some people think that they were um, just read out loud, and it just kind of depends which ones. But these ones specifically were thought to be sung, and not only sung, but actually chanted almost, and starting kind of with like a, a small chant. And as they would ascend to Jerusalem, as we're going to find out here in a second, they actually would sing them louder and louder. And I love this because I, I love music. And actually, a secret desire of mine, since I'm confessing things today, um, is that I've always thought it'd be really cool and really awesome to be um, a DJ. Uh, I always thought it'd be awesome to be a DJ. I think this started probably when I was um, out of college. I attended some of my friends' weddings, and some of my friends asked me to MC their wedding. That's when you get to grab the microphone and announce the wedding party, um, announce the, the bride and groom for the second time, because of course, whoever is officiating this is the first time. And then your job is pretty much to get the party started. And I'm all about that. And, and, and so I thought to myself, it'd be kind of cool to be a DJ. It'd be kind of cool to, to be able to take that to the next level and really help with the music to kind of control the atmosphere and, and the environment. And I'm happy to say, proud to say to you today, that I have DJed three events, or gigs as we say it in the DJ world, um, three <laughs> events in my life, um, two of which were events that I myself organized. So I don't know if that really counts, but one of them was a wedding. And so I got to DJ a wedding one time, and the way it happened was, was just priceless. My, my friends who were getting married came up to me, and, and they had a DJ who was like a friend of a friend. And long story short, as typically happens in these scenarios, they canceled kind of last minute. And so my friends came up to me, and they said, listen, Stal, we need your help. Will you please DJ our wedding? And I looked at him, I said, now you understand I'm not actually a DJ, okay? This is kind of like a pipe dream, like it'd be awesome, but I don't actually know what I'm doing. They said, no, you'll, you'll do great. We just need some help. It'll be awesome. And so I, I offered to do it. I had my equipment. I had everything I needed. We, we played some background music for the dinner. I announced the party, and then it came time for the dancing. And I remember looking at this sea of people, looking at this dance floor that was empty. And I remember very intentionally thinking through which song, which playlist that I had created, which songs I wanted to play next. And I remember picking a song. There was these young people in the crowd. I was like, I'm going to play this song. It's going to be awesome. And I remember playing it, and some, some of the, the younger people came out. I said, well, I'm going to play this, this classic song. And some of the older people came out. I said, I'm going to play this wedding dance. And some more people. And I probably like five or six songs in, I got to sit back. I look up on the dance floor, and everyone, not everyone, 80% the people, which felt good. 80% of the people were out there. They were dancing. They were having a good time. And I thought to myself, I did this. I created the party. And now, of course, it wasn't me. It was the music. 
But, but it's so interesting because music has such a powerful, it's such a powerful tool. It has such a way of, of, of ushering us, of moving us uh, in the mood. It, it has the power of, of kind of lifting our, or lowering our emotions based on how we're doing. Now think about this for a second. There is a reason why when you go to work out, you probably don't listen to classical music. All right, like Vivaldi is great, but, but now when you're trying to, you know, get amped, you need something to get you a little bit hype. We each have devices or, or uh, we, we have Spotify playlists or maybe it's on Pandora. Whatever it is that you listen to music, you've got your go-to playlist. When you have people over for dinner or for our young people when there's a breakup, I mean, you've got a Taylor Swift playlist all ready to go. Her, her earlier stuff was a little sadder. I mean, whatever it is that we do, if we go on a road trip, we create a playlist and that's always kind of like when we go on a road trip, you don't have to worry about what kind of music because that's like, you know, you can, you can do the throwbacks. You can play the, the cringy stuff because you've got 15 hours in the car together. But music is such a powerful thing. And a playlist is such an important thing. And, and the people of Israel have these, these songs, the, the Psalms of Ascent, that were almost like a playlist for them. Because they were supposed to journey to Jerusalem about three times a year. And while they journeyed, they had these psalms that they would recite. So whether they were singing them or belting them out or praying them, they were psalms that they would repeat during these journeys, during this pilgrimage. And it was interesting because these psalms had everything to do of, with prayer and protection, asking God to bless their trip and their travel, as well as to remind themselves of their, of their walk and the attributes of God and their following of him. And so when they would pursue Jerusalem and this trip, this pilgrimage, they would recite these. Now, it's interesting, and, and we're going to get to the psalm we're looking at this morning, but if for a second we could go deep, is that okay with you guys if we go real deep, real quick for a second? Some theology lessons? If yes, touch your mask. So I know that you're there. Okay, you're still there. So if you're at home, I guess write in the comments. I'll check it later. But, but here's the thing. The reason they would go to Jerusalem was because in, in the Old Testament, it was said that the Spirit of the Lord was first on the tabernacle and then on the temple. Now, now, when the spirit was on the tabernacle, they, they could see either um, a big cloud on the outside, and that's where Moses would go, or the priests would go, and they would enter into the Holy of Holies to meet God. That's where God resided. And in Deuteronomy, I don't have to turn there, this is just a little aside, in Deuteronomy 16, verses 16 and 17, the people of Israel were commanded to go before the Lord with their offering. So they had to go before the Lord, so they understood it to be a location. And so they used to go to the tabernacle. Now there was a temple in Jerusalem, and so they would travel all the way to Jerusalem to be in front of the Lord. And they traveled for the Passover, they traveled for Pentecost, they traveled for the Feast of Tabernacles. But they constantly would go to the temple, to Jerusalem, to see the presence of God. But the incredible thing is that when Jesus comes and he lives his life on earth and he died and was resurrected and we talked about the ascension and, and about two series ago after Easter, they get to the point where he says, it is better for, you, for me to leave because then you will receive the Holy Spirit, the helper. And in 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, do you not know that you are God's temple? The spirit now dwells in you. You see, back then they had to go to a place, a location, a physical place to see God's presence. But now, because we're followers of Christ, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We are the temple. And so we can worship God where we are. We oftentimes will say, hey, make, make your seat an altar of prayer. Because you are there. You are a temple. You can commune with God. You're watching online. You're sitting on the couch. You can commune with God. Man, during a time like COVID, obviously we miss gathering together with believers. We miss the fellowship. And, and scripture talks so much about that as well. But in a time like this, we're able to still worship God because where we are, we are the temple. The spirit is inside of us if we're followers of Christ and we can commune with him. And that's a beautiful thing. I, 
Uh, I'll tell you one, one, one more example of this. In, in John chapter four, this is a super well-known story. This is when Jesus meets the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. Now, he, they, they didn't typically deal with Samaritans because Samaritans were, um, they were Jewish people that had kind of married into other races. And so they were kind of like viewed as not as the thoroughbreds. All right, they, they weren't true Jewish people. And so they were looked down upon. They, they were pushed aside because they weren't authentic or they weren't true Jewish people. And then it's so much more that Jesus is talking to a woman who also back then was viewed as like less than men. And so Jesus is breaking all these rules and he's talking to this woman and, and he has the, the conversation that we've heard and read before many times where he says to her, go get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right because you've been married multiple times and the person you're living with now is not your husband. Now, probably kind of an awkward moment. And she says, um, I could tell you're a prophet. She tries to shift the conversation. She says, since you're a prophet, help me solve this. Our people, the Samaritans say that we need to worship on this mountain. Jewish people say you need to worship on that mountain, Jerusalem. Where do we need to worship? And Jesus gives her a little taste, a little teaser of what's to come. He says, let me tell you the truth. There comes a time and it is now here where you worship God in spirit and in truth. And he's telling her that in a little bit you're going to be worshiping. You're going to be the temple. The spirit's going to be inside of you. It's not going to matter. It's not going to be about a location. And so that's important for us today because as we read about these Jewish people going on pilgrimage to Jerusalem, they had a very specific purpose for going, but this stuff still applies to us today because although we aren't going to a physical location, we're all on a pilgrimage, on a journey in our lives as we move forward and grow in our walk and relationship with Christ. So with all of that information, we get to Psalm 121. You guys can turn there in your Bibles. We're going to read through that. Psalm 121. And this is going to be a super simple message. We're going to read through this. And I want to show you guys three things that I think come out of the scripture today. Three things that hopefully will illustrate what it looks like for us. How we can draw a challenge and encouragement from Psalm 121 from these Psalms. And I'm going to tell you guys, I'm using three words today. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've been preparing with Pastor Jeff, who's preaching over in the sanctuary. And so I have three words that start with the same letter. I promise to never do that, but it just, it works. It makes sense. I will tell you this. He has five words that start with the same letter. Uh, so I've, I've whittled it down to three. If you feel like you're missing two points, you can go watch the, that one later. But I have incorporated the content of that. But Psalm 121, if you've turned there, says this. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. Or some translations say slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel <clears throat> will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you down by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So the first thing that we see here, the first thing that we have to understand and, and, and know is that we need to know where our harm comes from. You see, this is a psalm where they were singing about their protection. And it says, I lift my eyes to the hills. I lift my eyes to the mountain. Where does my help come from? Well, in order to have help, we have to understand that there is a need for help, that there is harm. Now, Jerusalem was set on top of a hill. That's why the, the woman at the well said, do we worship on this mountain or that mountain? Because Jerusalem was set up on a mountain. So as they traveled, they ascended. They went up the mountain to Jerusalem. And it was, as was common in those days, enemies or thieves would hide up in the hills so they could have the advantage, the upper hand. They could see down who was coming. And so as they traveled, their harm, the, the enemy, 
was lurking up on top of the hills. And they had to be there on the lookout, looking up towards the hill and looking up towards their destination. They had to be alert. It continues in, in verse 3. It says, you will not let our foot be moved or you will help us not slip. When you talk about hiking and backpacking, you got to be careful that you have good footing, that as you're traveling, you're not slipping in one place or another. You have to be aware of your harm. And in verse 7, it says, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep you from your life. You see, Scripture is so clear for us today that the enemy, it says in 1 Peter, be watchful and stand guard because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking who to devour. You see, sometimes we forget that we're living in the midst of spiritual warfare. We forget that maybe we're just going about our day, but, but there's stuff happening that we can't see that we don't think about. Spiritual forces in the, in the heavenly realms, as Scripture says, that we have to think about. And I wonder for a second, what would it be like if we lived thinking and knowing that this lion is prowling around? I had this weird moment yesterday as I was thinking about this message and thinking about preaching. I was kind of going over in my head. And, and, and yesterday I was out running some errands and, and it was hot. When we're in South Carolina, it, it's, it's just hot all the time. And so I decided yesterday to go to Smoothie King. Woo! I love me some Smoothie Kings. I love tropical smoothie, Smoothie King, clean, clean juice, whatever. Like I, I just love, I love those things. And so I went to, uh, to Smoothie King. And, and before I went in, as I was parking my car, I just had this thought for a second. I thought to myself, what, what would it be like if there was actually a lion like, in this parking area? Like if I got, out of my, I got out of my car, I just like strolled in like, yo, what's up? And I'm like looking at the menu trying to figure out what to get. And I'm walking back to my car. I'm like, this thing's amazing. Woo. But what would it be like if there was really a lion in the parking lot? And I'd be like, okay. I mean, I, first of all, I'd go to drive through only, obviously. But if I had to get out of my car, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to get out, close the door, turn the key, run. And then I'm going to get my smoothie, okay? Like, I don't want the straw in it yet because it's going to spill everywhere. I would get the smoothie, run back to my car, jump in. And like, like, I'd be pushing people down, trying to get someone else to be eaten. But when it comes to spirit, no, I wouldn't really, I wouldn't, I was jacked up. But when it comes to spiritual terms... But we, we, we don't have any urgency. We don't think about that. We don't think about what it means that the enemy is out to try to get us. We live our lives like we normally live our lives, and we forget about the harm that is out there. We forget about the evil that is lurking. And some of it's not just evil. It's not just sin and temptation. But, but it says here he, in verse 7, he also will just keep us from our life. You see, the journey that we are living, the journey of our lives, the pilgrimage that we are on to follow Christ and become more like him, it's not always easy. It's not always rainbows and butterflies. Like there, there's sickness, there's death, there's broken relationships, there's hardships. And God uses all those things in our lives. But, but, but the truth is that life isn't always as simple as we like to think it is. We're living through some of that time right now, through some unrest. It's not, it's not always super simple, it's complicated. There's different shades of, of understanding what God is trying to do and what he's trying to accomplish. And we have to understand that there is a real harm. There are real dangers. There's real evil out there trying to get us. The second thing is that we need to know where our help comes from. It says here in verse 1 and 2, it says, I lift my eyes to the hills from where does my help come from. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Typically, in, in, whether it's in comic books or movies or even just in everyday life, when we think of God, where do we think that God resides? This is not rhetorical. You can answer. Right? Up. In heaven. Oh, we don't know exactly, but that's kind of symbolic of, now I look up to the hills. Where does my help come from? 
My help comes from God. You see, this morning I need us to remember and understand that God is out there seeking to help us. His desire is to be by our side. His desire is to guide us through the difficult moments, through the difficulties, through the temptations, through the tribulations, through everything that we go through. He is our help. And the beautiful thing about God being our help, it says here in verse 2, our help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and earth, or some translations say maker of heaven and earth. And, and the scholars believe that that is a clear a recollection, a clear, a clear callback to the creation story in Genesis when he made the heavens and the earth. So not only do we have a God who's helping us, but the God who knows everything, who created everything, is helping us. That's huge. That's incredible. That is some good news, something worth rejoicing today. You see, I heard this story, and, and, I, and I looked all over the internet trying to find it and, and find the details of it, and I couldn't. So I'm going to tell it to you in, in a bit of vague terms. But there was a story about the Ford company. Henry Ford had built his, his company to build cars. And supposedly there was an engineer who helped build this, this, this warehouse, this factory where everything was being built. And one day they had an issue at the company and they couldn't figure out the machines weren't working right. Things weren't, weren't clicking in all cylinders. And so they had to reach out to the engineer for help. And the story goes that the engineer came back and he surveyed and, and took a look at the, the symptoms, the problems. And he went and he found this one bolt that needed to be tightened. And he went and he tightened the bolt, took him about five minutes, and he walked out. He said, I'll send you the bill. Well, he ended up sending them the bill, and it was for a crazy, exuberant amount of money. And they reached out to him and they said, how can you charge this much? It, it took you five minutes to do the work. And he wrote back to them and he said, it may have taken me only five minutes worth of work. He goes, but you're paying me. Not because I turned the bolt, but because I knew which bolt to tighten. Because he was the creator of it. He was the one that came up with the plan. He was the one who knows everything about it. And if you read through scripture, we read over and over again that God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, knows you by name. He knows what you're going through. He knows everything about you. To keep in theme with the mountains, I'm not sure if you guys are, are backpackers or hikers or, or people who love to go out into the mountains. I personally am not. But because I have some good friends, I've been to the mountains a good amount of times. My first time was in my senior year of college. We went backpacking. The guy told me it was going to be awesome, and it was not awesome. It was probably one of the toughest experiences I ever, I ever went through, okay? And I'm being dramatic because it was dramatic. Okay, we got to the top of the mountain. It rained all night. I didn't sleep. It was rough. But when I moved back to South Carolina a few years ago, through Columbia International University and through our student ministry here and through some other churches, I've been up to this one specific spot in, in, in um, Brevard, North Carolina, in Pisgah National Forest, over in the, the Ranger County, uh, up to this one specific mountain called Black Balsam Mountain. And I've been in this one spot over and over again, probably like, like half a dozen or maybe, maybe even eight, nine times, and I've been to this one specific spot to the point that I know it super well. In fact, if you called me from up there, well, you wouldn't be able to call because I also know there's no cell phone service up there. But if you called me, if you had a satellite phone or were able somehow to reach me um, and you were standing in the parking lot, I would say, okay, I'm going to help you. Take a look at the porta potties. Don't go in there. They're nasty. I would say, but if you're facing the porta potties, to your left, there's this one trail. And if you go down there about half a mile, right when you start coming up over the creek, to your left, there's this, this area with hemlocks. You can go in there. It's a great spot for a group. Or if you're not super into hiking and you want to go basically car camping, there, there's this one spot through the what we call Hemlock Grove where you go just down a little tiny hill up and there's a flat area. Um, I would be careful there. We had some bear activity there one time. That's the story for another day. 
I would say there's another trail on this side where if you go down there, you end up on Sam's Knob. If you go this other trail, I've never been down it, so I wouldn't go there. And then there's a fourth trail where you can go up all the way up to Black Balsam. There's these switchbacks, these hemlocks. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Now, I only know that because I've been there. I know that by experience. And that's one small piece of a ginormous mountaintop in one state, in one country, on one continent. And yet God is the creator of all of it. And he knows every single trail, every single switchback, every single tree, every leaf that falls for all of the mountains, and all of the world, and all of the universe. And that is the God who wants to help you. There's a real harm there are real trials, there are real tribulations, there's real difficulty in life. But where does our help come from? It comes from God, who made everything. And lastly this morning, we need to know who holds you. You need to know who holds you. This is for our, our lovey, touchy-feely people, maybe with uh, self-distancing, we haven't had a lot of hugs, okay? God's giving you a hug. He's holding you. It says here in scripture, he keeps you. I've gone through and circled it six times. And it says, the one who keeps you will not slumber. The one who keeps Israel, he is your keeper. He will keep you from evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and coming in now and forevermore. You see, God is the alpha and the omega, the God of the past, the God of the present, and the God of the future. He is going to be by your side every step of the way. And this is important to remember because a lot of times we'll say like, yeah, well, my problems are not like, like these little insignificant things. Like, Style, you speak to teenagers, but, but we're adults here. Like, we have real issues and real problems, and I get that. Life is not easy. We've said that. We're experiencing that as a country, as a world right now. There, there, there's all kinds of things at play, all kinds of things going on, and yet God is by our side. He doesn't promise to snap his fingers and fix everything, but he promises that he will walk with us and journey with us, and because of his track record in our past, we can trust him for our present and for our future. And that's what the people of Israel were, were singing, and that was the, the playlist that was going on. Because here in verse 5, it says, The Lord is your keeper. He, will, he is your, your shade on your right hand. But then in verse 6, he says, The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Now, this is something that they were familiar with because when they journeyed out of Egypt, not they like themselves personally, but their ancestors had journeyed out of Egypt, they had gone through a similar situation. They had to journey and travel through the desert. Now, now we know all about desert temperatures because we live in South Carolina. I get that. But you haven't really experienced the desert because the desert is super hot during the day and gets super cold at night. That's why the, the rocks crack. That's why there's sand in the desert. And when they left Egypt, scriptures say that God was there. His presence was with them as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And, and when we hear that story as kids, we think, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, there's clouds and fire. But we understand that the clouds were there providing shade, providing for them relief from the heat of the desert during the day. And the fire at night was providing for them warmth during the cold of the desert nights. God was there providing for them what they needed. And because he has done it in the past, they could trust him in the present and they could trust him for their future. And the same is true of us. On our journey, on our pilgrimage, as we're moving forward, as we're following, as we're pursuing after God, we can trust God's track record. The ways in which God has cared for us in the past, the ways in which he's comforted us, the ways in which he's brought us through difficult times and trials and, 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 and hard times in life, we can trust that he is still going to take us through that which is to come. And just like we have a playlist going on to 
to change our mood or we've got a playlist going on to, to encourage us during hard times. Just like we listen to music, we can turn to God's word in the Psalms and we can read this and say, man, I don't feel this right now, but I understand, God, that my help comes from you. God, I'm living through this hard time in this moment, but I'm so thankful that my help comes from you. God, I don't know what to do in this situation, but I'm thankful that you hold me, that you keep me, that you love me so much, and that you've been faithful to me in the past, and I can trust you now, and I can trust you in the future. God is coming alongside of you, and he's saying, journey with me. Enter in this pilgrimage of life. Let's walk together. Let me be your help. Let me be your guide. Let me help you every step of the way because I created you, because I love you, and because harm is real. And so I don't know what we're going through today. I don't know what every person in this room and every person watching online is feeling, but what I do know is that God's word is consistent and God's promise is real for each and every one of us. And there's times where I don't feel it and there's times that you may not feel it, but still we can believe the truth of his scripture. And so today I wanna to do something a little different. I'm gonna ask you guys to stand. Go ahead and stand as we close and pray. And you can do this online as well, but I just want you to close your eyes and I want you to look up. Look up symbolically towards God. He's inside of each and every one of us. We don't have to journey to a location. He's inside of us. We wanna look up symbolically towards God. And I want you to picture a mountain. Maybe it's a place that you've been before. Maybe it's up in, in Pisgah. Or maybe it's a, a place you've been to in the past. Maybe it's a, a postcard that you've seen. Maybe it's the, the desktop on your computer, a, a mountain picture. I don't know what it is. But I want you to look at that mountain. I want you to imagine God coming down from there to help you. Whatever your situation is, big or small, maybe it's just something that happened today, or maybe it's an ongoing problem, or maybe it's been years of pain and difficulty. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's situations you just don't understand and don't know what to do. Trust that God's help is coming down to be with you. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for your scripture. Thank you, Father God, for your faithfulness in the past and the present and the future. And I pray, Father God, as we look to your word, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us. Help us to be honest and recognize our need for help. We don't have it all figured out. It's not just about another book we need to read. It's not just about another class we need to go to. But, but Father, we need to be in your presence. We need to be reminded that you are our help and you're with us along for the journey. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for first loving us. Remind us of these truths today this week, next week, as we continue through this series, as we continue through life. We ask these things, Father, in your heavenly and holy name. Amen.